Before we officially start, I must give a special shout out to the boys over at Recovery. Much like myself and the lads, Chris and Ian are a couple of rugby fanatics like we all are, and they've created various products with recovery in mind based around natural CBD remedies. Head over to their Instagram page or website and use the code FREEBLOKES, that's the number free, followed by blokes, for 10% off all their natural products and feel the benefit today. Good afternoon, good morning and good evening from wherever you are listening from. My name is Jamie Robinson and welcome to episode 61 of Three Blokes and a Rugby League podcast. It is my pleasure to welcome back Joss McVitie to the podcast as we have the original trio in the broadcast booth alongside my very good mate Jed Amos Goddard. Right, welcome to the podcast lads. We'll dive right into a busy week of action in the NRL and later on Super League. First up, the Manly Warringah Seagulls 6, the Penrith Panthers 46. Two teams at total opposite ends of the rugby league spectrum at the minute, if I'm honest, boys. The, the game that kicked off the weekend, uh, you know, there was a lot of hammerings, unfortunately, as well. Penrith came out firing, and this was highlighted by the early try from Brian Toto in the fourth minute. Um, unbelievable performance. Jed Penrith did really, really well, didn't they, mate? Yeah, they did. Um, it was just a, a confident performance come from them and something that you, you, you've come to expect from them now. Um, how good's Brian Torbin this season? Though? He's been one of my players of the season so far. I know we spoke briefly, but he's, he's so strong and just seems to get through so much work and, and seems to be coming up with quite a lot of tries. Um, interestingly enough, though, at the end of the, the first half, both sides had the same amount of errors and, and missed tackles, but... It's so evident which teams are taking the chances. And this has sort of been a recurring theme through, through a lot of the games this weekend, as we will touch on. And obviously, this was shown by the scoreline, with it being 22-6 at half-time. Manly, once again, really weak and soft, no defensive efforts, and, and the pack looked depleted. It, it hasn't been spoken about too much, but the, they are really missing, the, obviously, Fanua Blake, who's now at the Warriors, and, and Joe Thompson, who's over here with St. Helens uh, from last year. And I know in the... In the previews I did speak about that experience in the pack and how much they're, they're going to miss it and they've, they've not really replaced it and, and this is now coming to fruition uh, and it's in every aspect of the game in four rounds they've missed 139 tackles and made 30 errors um, Josh Schuster someone who you said was really impressive though last week the, the week before coming in playing out of position really impressing again um, he likes to get his hands on the ball which we'd expect since he's got the uh, the playmaking background and obviously playing in the back row at the minute Touched the ball 16 times throughout the game, 39 tackles, most out of anyone in the game, and played the full 80 minutes. Uh, and he could, once he's given a, a chance in the halves, I don't know about you, Jamie, but he could sort of maybe give them a bit more spark in the halves. Being in the back row, he's not be able to utilise his skills, but do you reckon that's an option that they should be exploring? Yeah, definitely. It's always going to be hard taking Jake Trevojevic out of the 13 shirt. But I think if they were going to switch up a bit and have a bit of a different dynamic, Joss, I know that you you've you watched this quite closely, but Josh Schuster's got something, hasn't he? He's, he's, I feel like if he can get his hands on the ball and he likes getting his hands on the ball, he's got something different in attack. Yeah, he's, he's a big unit as well. As we've mentioned, you know, he gets to his graft and his hard work. I feel the Manly front row are really lacking a punch since uh, Fanua Blake left. The power struggled to produce. And I think if you look at it and you do potentially shift Trebojevic back there, you're going to get more out of him because you're going to be going forwards. But also, he's... He's smart. He's going to link up with Schuster well if he fills into that 13 role. He's good with ball. He's quick on his feet. He's a kicking option when needs to be. But it was just another really soft and poor performance. But on the the spectrum, the flip of the spectrum, sorry, Penrith were completely untouchable once again. You know, as Jen, Jed mentioned, Brian Toho with 205 metres. 
between Toa and Stephen Crichton this weekend, they made 30% of the metres Manly made as a whole team. The Manly team have nothing, they just had nothing to offer. And, you know, we saw this by the blowout. Um, I know you've both been impressed with Stephen Crichton, especially back at one. What are your thoughts on him this weekend, Jeff? Um, yeah, I thought he went well. Obviously, he's, he's, I don't know if he's got any experience at one coming through the, the, the reserve grade or anything, but he, he seemed to slot him quite well. I don't know whether it's, that's a reflection on the team that he was playing. Obviously, it's easier to fill in at one when you're playing against the Manly side rather than a team that's top at table. But yeah, he's, he's looked confident when he's been there. Um, yeah, but I presume that Dylan Edwards will slot straight back in and, and the put. Because for me, Crichton is too much of a weapon to, to not have him in the centres. He's one of the most strongest um, dynamic in terms of his running ability in the league at, at centre. So I think he'll, he'll slot straight back in there and uh, Dylan Edwards will go back to fullback, who I thought has been pretty good in, in the games that he has played and seems to have upped his game. Something that I know you said he needed to do, Jamie, and I feel like he had done it up until his injury. Just coming on to another player, sort of, uh, we've spoken about players who are sort of cursed by their own versatility and, and this is a bloke who's a prime example of that, Jamie. Tyrone May, how, how does he now get into this squad and how would you feature him or does he not feature at all for you? I think if he's going to feature, he's not a starting 13. Um, I know he's played at the full-back, he can play centre, he can play in the back row as well, but there's a, there's a big stack-up of players in front of him now, I feel. Um, I know he had a bit of drama off-field with um, scandals and stuff last season, which has probably put him behind the, uh, behind the queue a bit more, but I think he's, he's fine coming off as a 14, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets shipped out in Penrith in a couple of seasons' time. He's not been massively important in their plans. Um, yeah, a bit difficult for him as well. Especially, I was really impressed with Charlie Staines at fullback. He only did about ten minutes at the back end of the second half. But you know, Dylan Edwards has, has got to be rubbing that magic healing potion on his hands in order to retain that number one jersey when he gets back in. But Penrith, that club again, exceptional stuff. Josh, you covered this game for us, mate. Brian Toho, you gave four points. Viliami Kikau, four. Um, Jerome Luai three, James Ferraris two, and Nathan Cleary one. Henry Panthers across the board there, mate. Very easy game to cover, I assume, but Manly in big, big, big trouble. Another club, Jed, who are in big, big trouble is the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs. They lost 38 nil to the South Sydney Rabbitohs. A real team performance from the Bunnies, wasn't it, mate? There could have easily been a bit of a banana skin type fixture, as, as it was proved last year, but, um, you know, they outperformed the doggies in every single area. They certainly did, and, and the platform was laid by all areas of the team outperforming. It wasn't just like the, the backs that did it and, and that laid it. The backs, the halves, the wingers, the centres, every single player was just extraordinary. It really gelled well as a unit, and they really put the doggies to the sword um, and, and never really took the foot off the gas. Um, I mean, fair play to the doggies. They did start well, but you, it's, it's now becoming a recurring theme that once, obviously, one try goes against them, the sort of... Um, capitulate a little bit. Damien Cook, though, I've got to give big raps to him. Last week, he was very unlucky to not get in uh, my five points of uh, the three books play of the year um, points, but he, he, he gave me no choice but to give him the whole five points uh, in this game. He was absolutely outstanding, was instrumental in the win, and it uh, could easily be the most influential nine in the competition uh, so far in 2021. I know Joss might disagree, I might be saying Reed Marnie, but for me, the way Damien Cook plays... His game is suited around the, the the forward pack of the of the bunnies, and he just gets off the back of it all the time. Dick's play, Dick takes play like no other for his team, uh, and they rely on his work from Ucker to kickstart the attack. He played sixty five minutes, made two line breaks, two try assists, two tackle breaks, seven dummy half runs, and touched the ball one hundred and three times, the most of anyone out of any team the whole of round four. 
throw into that mix when you've got Cameron Murray, who has the quickest uh, play of the ball uh, this week for the Bunnies again at 2.53 seconds. I'm just going to, we've touched on it before, I'm just going to come to you, Jamie. That combination of Damien Cook's electric speed out of dummy half and the quick play of the ball from Cameron Murray, how devastating must be that to play against? It's the most suited partnership in the NRL, in my opinion. Two players basically dictate how every other influential player in that bunny side play. If they don't have a quick play of the ball, if Cook isn't out of dummy half as, as efficient as he is, Latrell Mitchell, Cody Walker, cat player for back foot, Dane Gagai doesn't finish as many tries, and Adam Reynolds doesn't have the time for his kicking game. They, they, they play perfectly to how to the players they have, and that's what I think suits them that team so perfectly. They play to the players they have. They don't have a set structure. They don't have a set game plan from the coach. The players that they have suit it perfectly, mate. And and it works every single week. And like you say, third third week in a row, Cameron Murray's had the quickest player of the ball for the Bunnies and it's to no surprise. And that'll continue throughout the season. Definitely, totally agree. And I think that links to the fact that they play really attractive rugby league, but the fact that it's so done through the hook and, and every player is then enabled to do it is why they play such good uh, rugby league. They utilised the Reds really well, and this was probably Josh Mansour's best game for, for the South. I know it's only his four games into his South's career. Uh, but after that first game, when he was re- he was really poor in that first game and then got dropped for Jackson Pollock and only got a reprieve because Jackson Pollock had a head knock. But since then, he's got, he, he has sort of like made that wing, in, uh, that wing shirt his own. And, and eight tackle breaks in this game, 140 run metres, really impressive. One with Campbell Graham continuing to grow week on week. 133 run metres, two offloads and three tackle breaks for, for Campbell Graham, who... For me, I think he is a very good centre, but there's something still a little bit missing. I don't know. It, it seems like he doesn't have that X factor. Um, I can't put my finger on what it is. Maybe it'll become more evident as the season goes on, but I'm looking forward to that uh, that partnership continuing uh, continuing to grow. Um, and obviously, when you've got Gagai and Johnston, they've, they've obviously got a spot for choice in terms of uh, outside backs. Uh, Joss, doggies, they look bereft. Always seem to start well, as I said. Have some punch, but then just die so quickly, especially where they concede. How much is this linking to their attack that they're having to then do so much defence? Obviously, we've spoken no points in three games. How much is that? It's because they're having to defend so much, mate. Yeah, the doggies look as bad as you are. They're doing all fairness. It's just going <laughs> absolutely nowhere. Um, but as you've said, yeah, they're defending so much that they've just got nothing to give an attack. And I think when you look at them, there's no real settled six. And Kyle Flanagan's still finding his way. And I think letting someone like Kieran Foran go... It's, it's, it's proven a bit costly, really. You need someone who's a bit more experienced to be in there and just grind sets out and repeat. But as you mentioned, you know, the defence the defense isn't up to scratch for the start and they're doing more than that than they are attacking. So I don't know what you two boys think, but I, I'm struggling to see a way the doggies this season avoid the wooden spoon. Uh, it looks like they're destined for them. I don't know about you, Jamie. Yeah, man. I think I think obviously we know the three teams that are, are struggling really far so far is the Doggies, the Manly Seagulls, and the Cowboys. Cowboys have some big names coming back. You know, you got Tamalolo, potentially Morgan if he's cleared, um, and Tommy Turbo is coming back from Manly. Doggies don't have anything. You know, in my pre-season preview that I, you know, I covered the Doggies. They need to play the best players in the best positions. They signed Nick Kotrick. They signed Corey Allen. Corey Allen were on the wing at the weekend, and Nick Kotrick were in the centre. You're not going to get anything out of them if you play your best players out of position. I know that Nick Meaney's having a decent stint at fullback. Scrap that. You've not scored any points in the three round, last three rounds. That's only the second time that's happened in history in the NRL. It's embarrassing. As a Doggies fan, it must be horrendous. Um, and once again, Jed, you've picked, you've picked the player of the season points for this. A clean sweep for the Bunnies. 
Jamie Cook, five. Cody Walker, four. Tommy Burgess, who continues to grow, three. Jai Arrow, who I know is a big favourite of yours this year, two. And Latrell Mitchell, one. And anyone else who, who quickly just stood out for you, mate? Uh, yeah, probably just Josh Mansell, Campbell Graham, really. Unlucky to not get any points. Uh, they were really impressive. But, uh, yeah, I can't really argue with any of the players that I picked. Um, but, yeah, and I'm sure that'll continue for the, the next couple of weeks, really. And then after that, we had uh, another very much one-sided game. Um, against a team who's also going to be struggling at the bottom and a team that we would presume to be at the top. Melbourne Storm 40, Brisbane Broncos 6. I mean, being, we've been giving Melbourne the benefit of the doubt recently. Uh, they have played some some very tough teams in the likes of the Bunnies, the Pampers and Eels in the first three, uh, first three rounds, which it is three really tough games. And now, especially if we're looking back in retrospect, uh, that win over the Bunnies is very impressive because the last three, three rounds specifically, the Bunnies have been one of the best teams in the competition. Shows you how good Storm must have been in that opening game to uh, to obviously beat the Bunnies. Um, but they did really they started really flat in this game, um, and it wasn't until uh, a certain superstar called Ryan Pappenhausen decided to step up and absolutely ran the show, and it became it became the Ryan Pappenhausen show. Uh, in 80 minutes, he, he bagged four tries, five conversions, 298 run metres from 26 runs, which is absolutely phenom- phenomenal. An average of 11.6 metres per run, two line breaks, a line break assist, a try assist, 10 tackle breaks, five dummy half runs, three offloads, diffused free kicks and forced a one goal line dropout. Um, I know we use the term stats galore uh, quite a lot on this podcast, but I feel like it was meant for this kind of display. Um, and what made it all the more impressive for me is that he absolutely made it look effortless. He never really looked to be breaking a sweat and it is what a bright future it has got ahead of him. I know we've spoken before about the depth of world-class fullbacks in the NRL and it just seems to grow with players like this just constantly churning out world-class performances. The forwards battle in this game for me was always going to be really interesting. Melbourne down on troops and, and Brisbane liking uh, welcoming back the, the likes of Payne Hass and, and Matt Lodge, but... Once they brought Nelson Asafa Solomona, the weapon of nasty destruction off the bench, it, it really helped them. Um, initially, it looks like they they were doing it to add experience, but his work over the past two weeks has really benefited the Storm. In this game, 122 run meters, two offloads, and a try assist. For me, bringing on a player of uh, I don't know, I'll, I'll throw it to you guys because um, we've seen sort of a similar um, tactic being uh, deployed by the Roosters with Rhea Hargreaves, which has had mixed results. But for me. Bringing on a player like this and his experience and ability after the initial nitty-gritty opening 20 minutes, which whoever he's playing is always tough. It always seems to be kind of a close game before the quality starts to shine through. It's gone and proven to be a, a great move from him in the last few weeks. He's a leader. It must be a boost. I'll throw this to you, Jamie. It must be a boost to the whole squad, knowing that he's on the bench. And once he comes on, he's going to make a difference in that game. Alternatively, and I think importantly, it's a benefit to the squad that they can recover from him not starting... Tuikama Kamika started 13 the past two games and he's been really good. I think if Solomon wasn't to play, they'd still probably manage without him. But him coming off the bench has been kick-starting their attacking sets. He puts huge pressure on the kicker, which I realised in this Brisbane game. Tom Dayden um, and Paul Anthony Milford just didn't have a chance to breathe when they were kicking. So Nelson Soffa Solomon is the biggest bloke in the game of rugby league. He's one of the fittest as well and he works his backside off. And coming off the bench after 20-25 minutes is, is benefiting him as well. Definitely, mate. Totally agree. Um, and I think that's it coincided that we saw Melbourne sort of take the ascendancy once that he came onto the pitch. Brisbane really struggled with, to show any sort of resilience. Always look good when the player goes in their favour and they were lucky to be up in this game. And obviously, it didn't last very long, which we all saw. 
Um, the Reds go down, they concede field position and ultimately points. It's exactly the same as last season. This this game, if we're looking at the stats, could have very easily been a game from the 2020 season. Xavier Coates, Payne, Aff, probably the, the two only players that, w- that were showing up and showing any kind of resistance, which were, along with the likes of your Carrigans uh, and your Fafita, obviously now at the Titans, was pretty much the theme for their whole season last year. Joss, I'm going to come to you. The late change, it was initially started that Brodie Croft was going to start in the house, but the um, Kevin Walters dropped him to the bench and started Tom Dearden. Why, why do you think Brisbane changed a winning halves combination? And obviously it didn't really work out. I don't know if whether it'd been the same result had Croft started, but what do you think, Josh? Why, why change your halves after winning? I don't think it really mattered because I don't think it, whatever halfback partnership you went with this week, it wasn't going to go anywhere. I don't think you really had a choice. I don't think it was really a chance. I don't think Brody Croft has overly offered a lot. I don't think Milford has neither. Even with the results they've got, I wouldn't say it's essentially down to the halfbacks and how they've gone. I'm a big fan of Tom Dearden, and, and I think they need to be letting him have more of a go. You know, it, it's quite obvious they've got problems. So why not give this kid a go? He's showed up, and I feel like in the time he was on the field at the weekend, he offered more to the Brisbane attack than Milford and Croft all season. And I think I'd be turning, if I were Kevin Walters now, I'd be turning around to Milford and Croft and I'd be saying, that's your number one halfback and you two boys can scrap it out for uh, second, your second halfback shirt. And carrying one of them on the bench doesn't work. You can't put Milford or Croft in the middle of the pack. Um, I thought maybe Brody Croft would come on and have a dash at nine, but it just wasn't there for me. But you, uh, did you do the Scots this year? Me, Pappenhausen, five, you was four. Josh Adokar, three, Kenny Bromwich, two, and Christian Welch, one. Yes, it was actually Jed who covered this, but I do agree with exactly what Jed said. And once again, clean sleep. Um, Xavier Coates, probably a little bit unlucky there, but once again, mate, Brisbane, no resiliency. Played really well for about 10 minutes, but then Melbourne absolutely steamrolled them. It was a it was a common theme throughout the early games this round. And Jed, moving on, mate, me and Josh are going to sit back, we're going to smile, we're going to laugh, and we're going to cry with laughter. As we come into Cronulla Sutherland Sharks 48, the North Queensland Cowboys 10. You actually reached double figures this week, which was nice. But I've got written in my notes for the fourth week in a row. I'm going to let Jed rant. Right. Jed rant number four. Here we go. I mean, I feel like I could literally just record what I said last week and play it again because it was pretty much the same poor display. Um, Hopeless and abhorrent were two words that came to mind. 69% 69% completion, 43% possession. I mean, no matter how good the attack is, you are going to struggle for points when you've got so little of the ball and you're not completing with it anyway. No fifth play option, which I've said week in, week out. Again, no creativity. Um, we only got into double figures because Holmes scored in the last five minutes. So get Holmes having a bit of a go again, the same as last week. But the Sharks absolutely outperformed us substantially and it's, it is truly reflected in the scoreline. Um, apart from... Holmes and HTF, um, once they tried again, but we couldn't even make use of a numerical advantage. They lost Josh Dugan to a HIA and uh, Matalata, I think, did his knee. I'm not 100% certain on that. After 25 minutes, and we had, we lost Justin O'Neill in a head clash with Dugan. They both went off. So we had a one-man advantage in terms of the interchange, Benson. And you wouldn't think it. You'd think it'd be the other way around when it comes to the scoreline. I mean, this was a shark side that's already suffering with lots of injuries. Yes, the Cowboys are without the best player in, in, in Jason Tamalovos and Michael Morgan. But Cronulla don't have any Sean Johnson. Jesse Ramey and Britton Okora both suspended. Siona Katoa's out. Royce Hunt is out with his knee. Um, Siatifa Talakai is out. And then, obviously, in this game, they had injuries as well. They're, they're so down on troops. I mean, the 
Morris even said that he doesn't even think he's going to be able to name a 21-man squad next week with the amount of injuries. They had to shift around their squad and it's just, it's embarrassing and completely unacceptable. Um, I will, again, like I did last week, I don't want to focus too much on how bad the Cowboys were. Shouldn't really focus. I want to, I'm going to try and focus on Cronulla and, and how well they how well they did. I mean, Teague Wilton had to move into the centres in, in place of Dugan. For me, he did a really good job clocking up 216 metres, which was the most of anyone. But for me, it was, it was the combination of determination of the forwards who were forced to do long minutes again after the Parramatta game last week. So they've already been tired. Woods, Tolman and Hamlin Uwele particularly really stood up and, and they really impressed me. I mean, along with this, you've got a spine that were just ticking over and doing everything that, that, that seemed to be doing right. Will Kennedy at times looked absolutely untouchable. Blistering start to the season. Um, I know you're a really big fan of, fan of him, Jamie. And I, I didn't pay too much attention to him, but he's, been, he's gone really well and been one of Cronulla's best players this year. Um, two tries, one offload, two tackle breaks, two line breaks and two line breaks assist. He really was instrumental in their attack. Um, his link-up player with Moylan, who seems to be a new player this season, still got a long way to go, but he's, he's, he's looking a lot better than he had for the last two years, definitely. And Townsend just made them all tick over. He's like a metronome, as you use for other players. That's all he did. And he's, he's converting eight out of eight conversions. was very impressive. And there were some tough kicks in there as well. Then you had the players like Wilton, uh, both Haroti and Tracy racked up 151 metres, 182 metres respectively. Connor Tracy is really impressing me. Two games now he's played at centre. Uh, when he's not a centre, he's a half-back. Um, in this game, he got a brace of tries and assists and six tackle busts. And uh, yeah, he's been definitely deputising really, really well in the centre. Um, and this pretty much leads into a discussion that I want to throw your way, Jamie. It's something that I know all three of us have, have, have touched on, but I feel like you've touched on it the most out of us all. Um, it's something that you've loved to see. And now, we've, especially now that injuries are becoming such a massive part of Cronulla, they've lost so many troops. How important has it been for them having all these players come up together through the Newtown system like we've talked about, that now that they're having to chop and change, players do long minutes, players go into out of position, but because they're all come through together, there's a bit of resilience in there, a bit, a bit more camaraderie than there would of other teams. How important is that being for the Cronulla Sharks at the moment, Jeremy? Mate, you've answered your own question. It, it is massively imperative. Like, week after week, I mean, we could do a whole... I mean, we'll probably feature this on our new podcasting f- format, the, the topic of the week, but development, recruitment and retention is is the key in the salary cap era. You cannot buy players for big money and expect them just to come into your team and your whole team work around that player. The Sharks have quietly been going about this for the past couple of years really well since they won the Premiership in 2015, I believe it was. Their, their lower teams, the Newtown Jets, have, have won uh, state championships. And I posted it out on Twitter this past week. Ten players from that starting 19 news in the state championships have gone on to play for the Sharks team. And a lot of them are, are being key players in this team now as well. And you have the likes of Scott Scorenson, who's gone on to Penrith. Um, he had like the likes of Jason Bakuya and Greg Eastwood, who are seasoned veterans as well. So they're learning in these lower grades, and they're almost coming through. That obviously their opposition is different, but you look at Will Kennedy, Toby Rudolph, uh, CLC for Talakai, like you've mentioned, Teague Wilton, Tracy. All these players are coming through, and they're already playing with these players that they already know. You don't have to get used to six, seven new players every single week. Yeah, totally, very important, mate. Very, very important. Yeah, totally agree. And, and it's showing them how important it is now, especially with the injuries they've got. And other, other, other teams need to take notice, to be honest. Um, Cowboys, seven tries in four games. Joss, I'll throw this over to you because I, I could go bull in the face trying to answer it and I don't really have any questions. How can they improve their attack? Seven tries in four games, apart from the doggies and Manly's the worst. 
what, what can they do to become more of an attacking threat, mate? I, I honestly don't know the answer. I've got wrote down here points and then where from. I, <laughs> I look at that team and I think you're paying through teeth for Valentine Holmes, who's giving you nothing. Um, I think a lot of that team has struggled to get into other clubs and it's a shame, really. Um, I can't decide if Jake Clifford's already got his head in Newcastle because I think they're going to try coming and get him now. And it wouldn't surprise me if he jumps ship early. Um, you'd say it's going to come when Tom Lolo comes back, but he's on reduced minutes. Or you'd say it's going to come when Michael Morgan comes back, but you don't know if he's coming back. And then even if you do bring him back, who are you playing outside of him? I know you two boys are awfully fond of him, but I'm, I'm glad Ben Hampton got to go at weekend. I think he... He's something a bit different. I'm not quite sure if he's an halfback or what, but I honestly don't know, mate. I ain't got an answer for you, so back over to you. Yeah, I've, it's the $1 million question or $3 million question across three players, uh, so to speak. Uh, but yeah, my points for this game, Will Kennedy, like I said, untouchable on five points. Chad Townsend, four. Connor Tracy, three. Aaron Woods, uh, doing uh, not, I know, like we said, he's being accused of being lazy, but the last two games he's really stepped up and, and doing all the 1%ers that he can. And Matt Moylan on one point. Up next, uh, I'll throw it over to you as quick as I can, mate, since it is your team and you will be very happy to speak about them. Uh, the Gold Coast Titans 4, the Canberra Raiders 20. Uh, probably one of the hardest games to call this weekend, but uh, a good game and I'll throw it over to you, Joss. Yeah, I think first thing that came to me was how physical it was. They just seemed to go hell for leather from the start. And uh, I know we've all spoke about it, but I think it's a much-needed game for both sides this, at this time of the season. Canberra, especially, I always feel the start the start to play better after they've had an hard fought game. You know, first couple of weeks, obviously last week with a bit of a, well, I can't even really describe last week. I'm glad I went on pod because I was crying at home. But I think it gives them a platform to go from now. And I feel like Gold Coast will come away from this, have a review of it and think, we've not done too bad here. This is where we need to t- tighten things up and this is where we need to tune from. But, you know, I think the... Uh, the Canberra game plan and the way we played coming from the back of last week were really professional and we just got the job done. You know, this Gold Coast side are a good side. They're on the up and coming. They're buzzing about with it. So, But a lot of errors and a lot of missed tackles in this game. I know you've said, Jamie, that it's been pretty much the same throughout the weekend, but 65 missed tackles between both, which 26 errors, it's a bit concerning, especially from a Canberra point of view. You know, We can't go around letting these sides... You know, get on top of us like that because if it was someone like North Queensland, God knows they might score twelve points against us. But you, you can't if you are if you are as we said before. You know, defence wins your games. You look at your big, you, you, your top two sides, Penrith, Melbourne this week, and they've both put the slaughter to a team. I know they're playing a completely different outfit to the Titans, but they've completely slaughtered the teams the way they should do. Um, but you know, we, we go from there. Fafita and Tino Fasamoawe. I thought they were both massive this weekend. I think we've all talked about them for so long, that they're going to deliver and do this. But they've really, for me this weekend, stood up against a recognised pack. And, you know, they've, they've not took a backward step for me. The both of them were world-class this weekend. They were physical. And, Jamie, I know you mentioned it in your pre-season about Tino needing more minutes to be more effective. Um, do you want to have a little talk about that, mate, or...? Yeah, mate, yeah. I think, I mean, it's no secret I love Tino. He's, I think he's probably my favourite player in the NRL who isn't a Tigers man. But I, he's just so effective when he's on the field in, in whatever regard he's doing. And I mentioned it in my preview. It'd be, it'd be good, especially with the fatigue in the game now and the, and the change of the rules. He, he needs more minutes. I feel as though he, he's, he's thriving off more minutes. 
you know, last last season in 2020, he averaged 57 minutes per game. Um, I mean, so far this year, he's pushed it up. He's now at 61 minutes average per game. So the Titans obviously trying to give him more game time. And he actually played 71 minutes in this game specifically. He didn't come off at all. I mean, me and Jed have said it's almost a kind of Murray-Cook type partnership. You know, Fatasu Malawi has a humongously quick play the ball. If he gets up and plays the ball really quickly, Dave Fafita has got some more space in front of him to play the field. And we know if Dave Fafita has got space, he's going to trample over the defence. Um, I think what Tino really benefits is, is good hooker distribution as well. And I think Mitch Rain is slowly getting that. But, I mean, Tino and, and Big Dave, I think they've been part of our point scoring every single week for, for the four, uh, four rounds so far. And, and they'll both be playing Origin and they'll both definitely be featuring the World Cup 100% if they play injury-free. And, and them two are, are kind of the modern-day NRL forward for me, especially with the new rules. They're just, they're just prime athletes, just world-class athletes. And I could see them being them annoying kids in school that are unbelievable at every single sport. They're so good. And if they stick at Gold Coast, if they have like some sort of Tamalolo deal where they're there for 10 years, you know, they'll, they'll win a premiership with them too, mate. And, 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 you know, they're unfortunate against you. But, you know, you just had a bigger pack. You had a stronger pack. You had a bit more of an experienced pack. But they were, they were Gold Coast best players by a long way. Yeah, I think they were well matched with Ryan Sutton and the bloke who we'll speak about in two minutes. You know, we, we did as England 17s and Ryan Sutton came into them discussions for us. But again, I feel like he started like an house on fire this season. We talked about it and did a prediction of the lineups at the start of the season. And we thought Ryan Sutton might be one of the blokes who might struggle to get in, obviously, with Horsburgh and CHM not been there. But, you know, today, this, this weekend, one try, 180 metres from 21 runs. One line break, three tackle breaks, 40 tackles, no errors in 71 minutes. You know, he, that's phenomenal. And that, for me, is in your starting 13 for an England side. He's, he's, you can stick him anywhere in pack. He's going to get his work done. And, he, you know, he's really stood up. But for me, coming off the bench, Big Papa was absolutely monumental. I mean, a quick, quick mention to Chance, Nicko Cookstar, who got 270 metres, to be fair to him. But Papa Ali... Coming off bench, 21 runs, 193 metres, 29 tackles. You know, he, he really put his body about against a side who a lot of teams have said are going to be good all up and about there. Um, and I was just, it was good to get, I think, in a circle. You know, the boys got a job done and they were, they were physical with it, which is always a positive thing to see. Hopefully for the Titans, we don't turn into one of them teams what are beating the lower ends of the table sides, but then struggling against the top end of the table sides. Um Quick shout out to Tanner Boyd. I thought Tanner Boyd went really well this weekend. Um, I thought he, he was really good with Fogarty. Obviously, when the pressure got turned up, he struggled a bit. But the one man who I want to speak about anyway to see what your boy's opinion is because he's the, the best thing since sliced bread for me. Jammer Croker is now the fourth all-time top point scorer. For you boys, is he a quiet achiever? Is he where he should be? Or is he not fulfilling the potential he has? Um... I've always been a big fan. He's always one of them players sort of like, oh, unlucky not to get origin, but probably never will get origin. Um, it, I, I don't know if it's not fulfilling his potential because I don't really know what more he, he, he could do. He, he scores tries, he sets them up, he, he gets yardage. Obviously, the only thing that's been a constant criticism you could say of Jared Cook is, is that his defence isn't obviously as up to scratch as some of the other top centres in the league. Is that something that he can work on or is that just how he is as a player? Uh, for, for me, I, I think I'd definitely go more of the, the quiet achiever side of it. What he's done at such a young age is really impressive. Um, 
yeah, so I'd definitely be siding more that way. What about you, Jamie? Quiet achiever or not fulfilling potential? Yeah, quiet achiever, I think. I think he suits Canberra. He's, he's the captain. He's, he's Mr. Rick Canberra, isn't he, pretty much? He's almost similar to kind of a Jason DeVitri was at Wakefield. Nobody's going to wax lyrical about him. He's never really going to appear in any kind of top 10 all-time lists or top 10 try scorers, but points. And I think he'll probably get above third as well. He's, he's about, I think he's less than 100 points behind Jonathan Thurston. 40 odd. 40 odd, yeah, exactly. And, and it, that could be in, you know, a couple of games' time. So, I think he'll, I think it'll be hard to reach Cameron Smith, but he's got every chance. But yeah, quite achievement, mate. I don't think he's going to reach anything further than than what he already has. But I'd love to see him lift a lift a narrow premiership. Yeah, me too. That's the dream. But yeah, my five, four, three, two, one this week. Ryan Sutton, as we mentioned, five, Papali four, CNK three, Ventino and Fafita and rounding out two and one. Another two teams who seem to be having a bit of a topsy-turvy season are the Knights and the Dragons. You know, a really scrappy game to start, well, just throughout. And unfortunately, a lot of the injuries came into the second half and I feel like they really swayed this game. Both teams look nervous because of it. And for me, even from the start, both teams look nervous to go out and take this game by the scuff of the neck. I don't know if that's because of the season they're having so far or what. But, you know, Dragons again, you know, it must be in our place to go is Newcastle. I'd take that away from them. There were no Ben Hunt there, neither. Um, and they came out on top without Jack Bird. He wasn't there, neither. And that's a big win for them. And, you know, it's a, Newcastle are a side who we think are going to be top eight. But the, the loss of, of Pierce, Mann and Hoy, you take them three out straight away. We're out upon her. That's your spine gone. Um, one stat for me, what we're really surprised in, what there's a real imbalance with both sides. The penalty count was three, game, three quarters of the game gone were 5 0 to the Knights. Yet the set restarts were 6 0 to the Dragons. So both teams had opportunities to score and had good ball. It was just turning them points into position, possession. Did you, uh, did you get a chance to catch the game, Jed? What did you think to it? Um, I, was, I was surprised. I, I thought Newcastle would have enough about them, but St George are really going quietly. Proving a lot of people wrong, including myself, who we, I think all of us tipped us to them to be down at the bottom of the table. But yeah, I mean, they're the, the playing playing really good rugby, and, and obviously, I mean, beating Cowboys is no, 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 nothing really special at the moment, is it? But beating Knights, as you say, at Knights is is, is a tough achievement, and they should be really proud of themselves, especially about the Ben and Jack Bird, like you mentioned. Just touching on a, a player who. who um, we spoke about previously a lot over the last year, especially when it came to Origin and his lack of inclusion. But David Klemmer, such a sledgehammer once again for the Knights, dominating with 187 run metres, 33 tackles. But he's ill-disciplined. He's, he's much like a kind of like, like a, a warrior Hargreaves, one of them type players. He's, he's going to do loads right. Tavita Pangai Jr. at Broncos, another perfect example. He does so much well, but then it's his, his, his mannerisms on the pitch and what he does, it's... He do, he's, he's the kind of player he is. He's always going to do it, but sometimes it goes over too far and his ill-discipline is, like I said, always going to be issue. Put on report twice throughout the game, conceding two penalties. I mean, I don't know what your thoughts are on, Jamie. Is that just a part and parcel of what you get with David Clemmer or is it something that he needs to cut out of his game and focus on the things that he does well? It's funny, it's almost a cliche in sport when like something happens sometimes that isn't, oh, well, that's, that's not his game, that's not his game. David Clemmer it is, that is his game, that's what you pay when you have David Clemmer in your side. Same with Jaraguea Hargreaves. Uh, same with what Josh Reynolds used to offer as well when he played for the Tigers. That's David Clemmer. But, you know, two two separate incidents have been put on report. He gave away two key penalties in the game as well. And he'll probably miss next week. And I won't be surprised if he gets pinged for another couple of weeks. 
at the minute, Knights are really, really, really struggling to a point, you know, we've just been confirmed today, Mitchell Pierce has ruptured his peck, he needs surgery, that's him out for three or four months. We've still got Caelan Ponger out. Kurt Mann was, uh, I don't know if you saw it, lad, but horrendously knocked out, really, really not nice to see. Tech's gone, Bradman Best, he's still got a long way to go. You know, they're, they're really down on troops at the minute, but I mean, I'm, I'm almost a bit gutted and slightly a bit embarrassed. I, I pasted Dragons in, in, in the previews we were doing. I thought they were really going to struggle this year. I thought they were going to finish the spoon a long way, but I'm really enjoying how, how they're playing at the minute. And fair play to Anthony Griffin. He seemed to install this kind of no fear into the game, and it's been really easy for them to... It would be really easy for them to play structured football, but, you know, with key men missing, you know, but the likes of... Zach Lomax, Tarek Sims and Matt Dufty, they all love playing reaction football and, and that seems to really suit them to the ground, doesn't it, Joss? Yeah, massively. Big fan of Tarek Sims, especially. I love a back row of scoring, never mind too. And especially when they're running down freeway going from 50 metres out, as so his brother tweeted. Um, but Matt Dufty, again, I think Matt Dufty is awesome and I feel like Zach Lomax gets a lot of praise because of the things he does. But Zach Lomax, Zach Lomax Matt Dufty for me, flies under the radar a lot. When you look at his stats throughout the game... Ding, 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 ding! <laughs> Under the radar, Claxon. <laughs> but yeah, he's... Uh, and Corey Norman stood up well this week, you know. He, I know I've slated him before, and I'm pretty sure you boys have both took a pop at him as well. But he went at the line like we know he can do. And he run for 124 metres and another try assist. So he's, he's, he's kicking on this season. I don't know if... Well, I was surprised to see it without Ben Hunt. But I don't know if he felt more of a freedom or more like it was his team this week. Um, but just show some real tough character to the Dragons, especially this week with things we know on and no bed. And I know we keep talking about it, but when your captain's gone, who's also your halfback, that's massive. Um, they're really playing for each other. And I think Andrew McCullough coming in at nine, I think, has been huge for them. And I think he just settles them down so well. In the past three games, McCullough's not missed one tackle. And he's gone over 50 tackles in each game. So he's really, really well the best for that pack. Well, especially in the pack for me. Um, but if you're Adam O'Brien, you're doing some sweating this week. You've got to name a team tomorrow. Um, is Ponga, they want about rushing Ponga back. You know, best, no Pierce, no Man, no Lee, no Hoy. As you mentioned off pod, Jamie, we don't think Blake Green's back to 100% yet. Connor Watson's still coming back from his injury. He's still trying to find his... Find out, find out how he's feeling. On Connor Watson, boys, where do you eat? For me, is the epitome of a number 14 because I'm pretty sure he could stick him on a wing and do a job. But where, where do you two boys see his best position? I, I actually disagree with you, mate. I think he's a quintessential 13. I think I love watching him with the ball in hand. He loves a tackle. He loves the link up play as well. I think it'd be nice to see him at six, but I think he'd, you'd almost be stripping back a couple of, the, a couple of his attributes a bit. Um, I think he's only been starting at 14 most of the past couple of weeks because he's been lacking in a bit of fitness. He's been named in, in the 13 jersey, but every single week he's been kind of swapped with Soasso Sue. I like him at 13, but it wouldn't surprise me if we keep playing him at six just because they're so, so down in troops. Uh, I'm not sure about you, Jed. I quite like him at six. Um, I think like his, his bill is more suited to be at 13, but I feel like he goes really well at six and and, and organises his team really well. Um, I mean, I've got him on my uh, fantasy team at the moment on the interchange bench and he's racking me up 50, 60 points every week. So keep doing what I'm doing and I'm loving that side of him. But yeah, it's, it's, it's one of them conundrums, can play in quite a few positions. Um, 
something that they definitely need at the moment because they're out so many players and need prop forwards to be going in at half soon if they keep losing any more players. Uh, just a quick one on sort of an ugly part of the game. Uh, there was obviously that massive melee that occurred after Kurt Mann got knocked out. In terms of Ravalala, I don't think he's this kind of player. I think he probably just um, like a brain explosion kind of moment. don't know what are you two thought quickly on it. Um, Paul from him or, or just got caught up in emotion? <clears throat> yeah, it's a brain explosion like you're right. It's getting worse through this pod. Um, I, I, I'm not keen on it at all. I think Ravalala knew what he was doing. I think you, you've both been in situations where someone likes kicking off in a game. You know full well what you're doing, no matter how pumped you are. You don't stand over a bloke who you can see. You've even got your own player guarding him so he don't get hurt. Um, for me, I think he, I think it's dog, and I think we talked about it. We're similar to Arrow and Tedesco last season at Origin. What about you, Jamie? Yeah, I thought it was disgusting, actually. Um, I thought the tackle itself was fine. I thought Ravalala ran in the kick return really well. He got hammered by about three or four blokes. Kurtman's been kind of caught in the crossfires. I don't know if something's been said in a previous set, because Ravalawa, obviously the player got stopped and Ravalawa's gone straight over to Manu. If anybody hasn't seen it, he's totally knocked out, looked really unwell. I think he was almost fitting as well. He looked really, really unwell. And just almost got in his face and shouted at him. Something I did like to see was that the Knights forwards came in and put Ravalawa into his... Uh, onto his backside pretty much and that kicked it off a bit more but yeah didn't like it at all and, and thought it was pretty disgusting for him and hopefully he, he issues some sort of apology um, Joss you mentioned these blocks already but you give Tarek Sims five points David Clemmer four Jaden Braley three who has been excellent this season so far Andrew McCullough two and Daniel Sayafiti one point moving on Sydney Roosters 32, the New Zealand Warriors 12. You know, I covered this game. Actually, a really interesting game to watch from a neutral's perspective. For the first time this season, I felt that the Warriors were actually going into the game as favourites and they totally collapsed under that pressure, in my opinion. You know, they started really strong and, and their forward pack continued to show a bit of dominance. You know, But as soon as adding through a Blake couldn't come back onto the field, he got a really bad shin contusion. I don't know if you've seen the pictures afterwards. You know, the, the Roosters' attacking flow almost became unstoppable, if I'm honest. Warriors looked to fatigue in the middles really quickly and couldn't react quick enough to the likes of, you know, Brett and Josh Morris, Daniel Tupo. They almost seemed to be a bit too agile. And it showed an attack too. You know, only one New Zealand Warriors forward was in the top 14 metre makers in the entire game. Um, and they had 600 less run metres than the Roosters did overall. They just got totally blitzed in all, in all aspects of the game. You know, but it was the battles of the number ones. You know, James Tedesco against Roger Tuvasashek, both captain in the sides. Tedesco covering for uh, Jake Friend still. Um, brilliant, Ex absolutely excellent. You know, all out attack with with both of these fullbacks. We know that, but it was the defence as well that really came into it. Tedesco just continues to blow my mind, if I'm honest. The, the, the acceleration he shows when it, when he sees an open gap is unrivaled. He's, he's got some sort of unbelievable strength. We've all played against people you've looked at and thought, I'm, I'm going to be able to handle him today. And he's got a really strong fend. He's got a sidestep that he can't handle. He's got shoulders that are like boulders. Tedesco seems to have got all of this. And it's in, in, you, you listen to interviews sometimes. Um, and we actually interviewed Josh Drinkwater about this. So it'll be coming up into a future podcast. But he mentioned he's almost just impossible to tackle. You can't work out why. Um Another unbelievable performance for him, and he makes it just so easy to break tackles. Um, 
you know, he made another five in this game. He got one try, one try assist and two line breaks, along with 255 run metres. Roger Tuvasashek finished second in the run metres, just behind him with 192, five tackle breaks. But he did make two errors and conceded a penalty as well. Jed, Jed covered it in a couple of weeks ago, but he, he almost looks like he's, he's trying to do absolutely everything and, and running his blood to water. But, you know, he's, he's just one of them type of players, I think, and that's just what it's going to be like. Sam Walker, everyone's been talking about him. Everybody's been wondering how he's going to get on. It was very, very impressive. They mentioned in the commentary before the game that when he was given his shirt, his debut shirt, in the dressing changing rooms, he actually stood up and told every single player in the changing room how the Roosters were going to play and how they were going to play his way and he was going to dictate the game. And he did that. He didn't shy away from taking on the line at all. Really impressive to me, Joss. You know, 18-year-old halfback coming in with the weight of the world in his shoulders the way he took the line to the ball is something that you'd see from maybe a 28-year-old halfback. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, there's been so much expectation and pressure on him to come into this side. You know, they've been going on about how they've had no halves, they've had nothing, Kiwi's gone for season, season's gone. And he's just come in and done his business. He, he wants to flash. He showed that he's willing to go into the line, taking it. But as soon as he got it and he passed on, he was bouncing back up. And they were getting his hands on that ball again and they were going again. And it, that's what you need from an half. You need him to come in and tell your forwards what you're doing. You could be playing with a bloke who's played 500 odd games, who's a forward who knows what he's doing and doing that. But unless you're halfback and you're telling him where he's going, what he's doing, and what ball's coming, you're going to get nowhere. Um, I think it's a really, really good debut and a really positive sign for the shoot. You know, again, it just sounds like, again, as we've talked about before, but it's just a cog in the machine. They come in and do a job and they pull these players out from nowhere. Just shows you how great depth they've got. And going on to the depth of the club itself, you know, they've brought on a young lad at nine. I can't, I can't think of his name off the top of my head. But the, the strength in depth is ridiculous. Victor Adler came back, looks like he'd not been missing. And I think this, this whole of bringing these kids through and giving them a go shows you the mentality of the Roosters club. It showed you how strong they are and how physical they are and how much they're willing to work for the ball next to them, no matter who it is or how old they are. What are your thoughts on it, Jed? Yeah, just touching about sort of that overall topic, I feel like the fact that, that Sam Walker got up and obviously told his teammates how he's going to play, I think that's reflective on the Roosters squad and the club and, and the ethos they have there. I can imagine at a lot of other clubs, you have a, an 18-year-old lad coming in for his debut and telling players a lot more experience than how they're going to play. I can imagine it might rub them up a little bit the wrong way, but like, who are you? Who do you think you're speaking to? I've been doing this longer than you have. But that shows you what it's like to be a rooster and that it doesn't matter. And again, it goes into the fact that they've brought in all this depth and, and they just fill in and they do a job because it's about the club. It's not about the individuals. And that is why the Roosters have been such a successful team for so long because the club comes first and that's all that matters. And, and it, it proves how successful it's been. It's very similar at Melbourne. It's the why they can bring someone in and they just do the job because the club comes first. You as an individual become second. Everything you do should be for that club. And, Showed again with the amount of depths that they're making. Uh, just one area, though, that the Roosters are massively struggling at the moment. It's probably the only area that they do need to improve. And it's a little bit comical because they're, they're still picking up wins and it's not really cost them a game. They got well beaten last week and conversion didn't come into it. But sooner or later, it is going to become a, a crucial deciding factor in a game. They've used three different kickers this week. They had uh, Takiyaho, Hutchinson and, the, what, and, and uh, Tedesco, of course, as well. Where, Jamie, I'll come to you. What do they need to do? To, to, do they need to let maybe a walker have a go? Do they need to have, be absolutely blitzing it in training and practicing? But 
a couple of, I mean, apart from Takiyaho's conversion at end, which he absolutely nailed from the touchline, Tedesco's attempts are absolutely wild. And I know Takiyaho blew quite an easy one at the start, but what's your thoughts on it? I think I've written them notes wrong because Walker did have a go as well. They might have had four different kickers. I, just let Walker have a go. To be fair, he played that well. Why not just let him take the reins and see how far he can go? Um, you know, he's, he's got a really bright future in the game as well, mate. And what, what do you reckon to it, Joss? Yeah, I think with Takiyaho, you're going to struggle because he's not going to be on for long. But the two weeks out from playing the Storm now, and they've got the Sharks this weekend, they need to be going into this game telling Sam Walker he's kicking at goal and give him a full 18 minutes. Well, obviously, they're going to score points this weekend. A few goals that haven't got a goal because when it comes to playing the Storm the week after, there's no way Takiyaho will be playing big minutes because it's going to be physical. Uh, you, the points for this one, Tedesco are five, RTS four, Sam Walker three, Brett Morris two, and Angus Crichton one. I will now hand back over to Jamie, as I'm sure he has more than a couple of things to say about the Wests and Para game. West Tigers 22, Parramatta Reels 36. The Easter Monday game, it is tradition that these two teams go. Parramatta have beaten us in the past five, and now you can make that six games. Um, very weirdly even game in parts. But Parramatta just seem to have more star power and were, were, were much more effective in attack. You know, in fact, Tigers had actually more time with the ball. They had better completion rate. They made more runs and had a quicker play of the ball. All these glaring stats that you need to win a game. But our ability to work on our strength is just so damaging. Um, and Parramatta do exactly that. They don't worry about the weaknesses. They give early ball to Moses. They give early ball to Gutherson. And they work on their edge plays off the back of a strong forward uh, pack and their carries as well. They work very, very hard on their strengths. You know, it, a static defence from the Tigers, really, really poor with no urgency in the first half, really, really cost us. You know, the Tom Opacek try um, and the Mitch Moses that along the line, it, just a number of times, blokes were falling off tackles and making no second attempts at all to even wrap the legs, wrap the ball. There was very little effort. We mentioned off the podcast, Josh, James Roberts is, is the epitome of this, really. He kind of makes an ineffective tackle or get a shoulder in and get bumped off. If it was the Melbourne Storm, if it was the Parramatta Reels, you'd almost see them turning around and going for another tackle, going for the legs, joining in with a, with a two or three-man tackle. Roberts didn't seem bothered. He kind of jogged back to his position and Tom Opperjack's already scored over the line. Didn't really stand up for me at all. Really annoyed me. 16-0 um, down for that reason is why, why it happened pretty much. It's not, as, And it's no secret that our lads on the left Last side is, is really soft in defence. You know, Asu Kapoa, who has been really, really poor this season, and I wouldn't be surprised if he gets dropped next week, um, he's, he's been really poor. BJ Lelu has already been dropped. Tommy Talao's come in, who's, who's doing okay. We've got Luke Brooks, Luciano Lelua, who's been excellent in attack, but still quite quite lethargic in defence. You know, Blake Ferguson got a double. Maratta Niakore scored down that side. Clint Gutherson scored down that side as well. You know, when we gave Luciano Lelou an early ball, it worked perfectly. He got five offloads, which is the most of anyone in round four this weekend. Um, and our in-play kicking for the majority of the game was really good. It started quite poor and was really easy to read. But when Adam Dewey put on his kicking boots and he sent the massive bombs into the air, Blake Ferguson and Clint Gutherson couldn't deal with him. Ferguson, you know, um, dropped three balls throughout the game and, and, and he gave him hell. You know, I mentioned Gutherson spilt his lollies too, which is very uh, unlikely to see. Moses and Bay, it's come out this week that he's asked for an early release of his contract because he don't believe he's been played effectively and, and he doesn't uh, suit the, the kind of the wage budget that he's been paid. 
fair play to him, but it's, it's just really hard to work out what his position is on the field. We actually looked slightly better when he came on for Jacob Liddell um, in the number nine shirt, but it's through no fault of his own, really, if I'm honest. I do feel a bit sorry for him. He's a very tough player and he's a very effective player and he's very efficient too. He's always getting back the 10. He's always making good tackles. He's very rarely behind the play, but he is very slow at a dummy half. And I just don't know where his position is. He's a decent one. He's a decent six. He's a decent centre. He's a decent nine. But for me, it's just not really working for him. Mitchell Moses showed that he had a really mature head for me. You know, he works really hard now and he's one of the best players in the NRL for that. He can never... Uh, you can never really fault him at all. He, he was just as influential as Clint Gutherson in, in this game. Um, he almost has that same effect on Parramatta as Cameron Munster does for Melbourne. You know, Mel- Parramatta's completion re- was really poor in the second half, but the Tigers had just let the game go on for too much and, and it was too hard to claw back, pardon the pun. Um, much better. We're, we're a much better team when our, when our forward pack comes off the bench. Thomas McKayla, Big Joe Offer and Gowie, Stefano Utai Kamanu. But they were much stronger, much mobile forwards. And, you know, James Tamar, really, really poor this year. He just broke 100 metres this week with 112, the first time this season. Looks really slow and looks really plodding. Looks a bit unfit as well. Luke Brooks a lot better this week. Another, he got three triases this week, which has boosted him up. I think he's in the top three in the league now. He's much better when he goes about his business and Adam Dewey can handle the kicking game. And we've got Dane Laurie, who's been exceptional. Arguably our player of the season so far as well. Um, tough for us wasn't the game we expected to win but just really annoying that we pulled it back uh, numerous times and then still lost by two tries and it, and it blew it away very quick lads we, we, we've not got much time but Joss I'll come to you Blake Ferguson is someone who hasn't really stood out to you too much and, it, and his season it, it, sorry his contract is coming to an end at the back end of 2021 you know he had a quiet season last year and his, his mistakes are coming into his game for pa- Parramatta do you extend his contract or do you let him go Um I think I'm letting him go. I think they've brought Michael Oldfield in as a as cover. I know he's injured at the minute, but he can do a job on wing. And I think they'll unleash his dumpster and give him a go on wing soon. So I, I don't really... And as much as I rate Ferguson, I love him. I think he's class. He's not very younger neither. And Dunster's at the start of his career. What about you, Jed? Yeah, totally agree. Um, I do I do rate Fergo. I think he's been a lot better this season than last season, which he was pretty poor last season. Got yarded but didn't score any tries. Uh, but yeah, I feel like they'll let him go. I feel like, as I touched on last week, Parramatta's got what, a really young squad. Um, Hayes Dunster got a lot of promise, made his debut last week in, in the playoffs. Um, but yeah, I think I think that'll be the, the way that they will go. And I think he can, he'll be at a different club next year. Where that'll be, who knows. Um, but yeah, just rounding off on your points for this game, Jamie. Moses got five, Luciano Leilu a four, Gufferson three, Dylan Brown two, and Adam Dewey one. Uh, yeah, go on, Joss. Mitch Moses this season has, is a 62nd in the try assist league. He has got one try assist this year. He's still amazing, though. Anyone else that you'd like to uh, round off on there, Jamie? Yeah, Reed Barney, it, it, you know, if, if I watched the game again, I could easily give him five points. But I think because he's so good every single week that you miss things. He got two try assists, but they weren't exactly a blistering try assists. They were the simple balls that, you know, Parramatta fell over the try line. He's very, very good and he's, he's up there with, with some of the best nines in the league at the minute. So just looking, we won't, we won't go over the league table too much. You didn't really go into shape until kind of round 10, if I'm honest. But Penrith and Parramatta are still unbeaten in the league and the Cowboys, the Doggies and Manly are really struggling. They haven't won a single game. Round five looks interesting. You've got the Bunnies up against Brisbane. 
Warriors up against Manly, Penrith up against Canberra, which could be easily the game of the round, Titans up against the Knights, Doggies up against the Storm, Roosters up against the Quinella Sharks, Tigers against the Cowboys, um, which is a huge game for both our teams and to round it off Parramatta against the Dragons. Very quickly, lads, we've got a couple of minutes on this. Super League round two, we are back. It's lovely to see. Not so much for the first game. Joss Wigan Warriors 34, Wakefield 6. I felt, I felt we started really well, mate, if I'm honest. A couple of contentious refereeing decisions edged us out slowly and cost us a bit of field possession. But, you know, Zaki Arik, Jake Bibby and Liam Farrell capitalised quite well on, on our fatigue defence, didn't they? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there twice. I think the refereeing was really poor, but we'll go into that because we tried to avoid negatives. I just don't understand. I was so tired so early, and it, I just don't get it. It just baffles me. We just something's missing, and I think as scary as it's to say, I think we are in for one long. I know we say it all the time, we are in for one long year this year. Um, as go forward, just isn't there. We just don't. And very similar to what we're saying about the dogs. As soon as we start to concede a couple of points, we. Uh, we just disappear. I mean, we have played Leeds and we're going to, you are going to imagine, will be probably top four this season, especially Wigan will definitely be up there or thereabouts. Um, Liam Farrell went big for me in this game, you know, 180 to 84 metres, playing out of position, especially when they had to go in centre. Um, and I think that just shows the versatility of the Wigan side and how the well, the depth we've got, you know, Jack Field out for five months and we just brought someone else in. Uh, any points from you about this game, Jed? No, yeah, it just really clear that the the drop off in the second half. I thought we were we were unlucky to not be leading at half time, but the second half was completely disappointing. Really poor performance, and um, yeah, no else can say. Big Dave tried his best. Uh, four offloads from him, and obviously got that nice try and uh, fated tackles from Mason Lena. But yeah, look a little bit lost in attack, and uh, hopefully big improvements for next week. Then we had uh, OKR uh, zero, St Helens twenty five. At least we scored this week, and we didn't get nilled. Um, but the standard of Super League already slipping as it's becoming evident quite early that the lesser sides are unable to hold consistent performances week after week. The nil KR started pretty well in this game and it was only 10 nil to, at half-time. Uh, but say, Saints play such expansive rugby that it can be really too hard to handle. I mean, they did get some unfortunate injuries to, with the likes of uh, Elite Minicello, Corbin Sings and George Law got sin-binned. But I think in the grand scheme of things, 25 nil to St. Ellen's. I mean, other than the fact you've been nilled, it's not it's not too bad. It's four tries and St. Helens are comfortably the best team in the competition. So you always expect it's going to be a tough game to going up against them. But to be nilled at home in the second round, it, it is really disappointing. I think Ulkar will be quite disappointed. I don't think that no fans have ever gone into this game expecting a win. Um, but to be nilled at home it, after unlucky performance last week, which they probably deserve to come out with it with something that, yeah, they'll be disappointing or something like that they'll want to work, work on. Sean Kenny Dow went really well for me though. 153 metres and uh, seven offloads. 40 second, 47 tackles from Hadley as well. Don't know, Jamie, you got anything to add to that game? Nothing much, really nice. It just kind of links in with the next game as well and, and a couple of others. There's four teams this year that are going to struggle. Warrington Wolves, 44, Lee Centurions, 12. Similar story, like we've mentioned. Lee seems to put all their efforts into last week um, as why seem to defraud them off the park. 22-0 at half-time. Gareth Widdett was excellent. He really made a difference. Looks like he, he, when he was playing for Melbourne and St George, controlled the entire game. Two tries, two tries, 26 tackles, three tackle breaks and 120 metres. Lee, for me, I, I did actually catch a bit of this game. And, and even though it's always impressive when someone like Blake Wallace in your house is running the ball, 
He ran the ball more times than Mark Ione, Ben Hilliwell, Alex Gerrard, Jordan Thompson, Matty G and Tyrone McCarthy. That's basically your entire forward pack. I mean, it's almost like being at university again, or like amateur rugby, your half just wants to take all the ball in, but that, that's not on. The Fogs need to be putting in more of a graft for me, if I'm honest. It's going to be tough. Warrington have a big, tough pack, and we know it's going to be tough for them anyway. But, yeah, very, very difficult for them. Leeds Rhinos, 10. Casford Tigers, 18. Really good game of rugby league this, Joss. Back and forth. And, and really impressive with the league's youngsters held up. Jack Broadbent and Corey Hall did well, in my opinion, even though they've, they've been pasted a bit on social media. But unfortunate for me. But Leeds are just a different side with Brad Dwyer on, in my opinion. And the style style of play changes when, when he replaces Leeming. But Casford were a bit too strong down the middle, weren't they? Yeah, definitely. I think the first point is I think Brad Dwyer does really well for him. And I think he suits that uh, style play the Leeds Pat bring. Tetravano's going to want a quick ball moving about. Barrier will be used to it. I know he's been over here now, but he'll be used to that type of ball. And I think that'll bring the best out of their pack. And it's a really positive sign, although I'm not quite sure what I'd do with Lehman in that context. But as painful it is to say, Castle, Castle look real good. Um, I don't know if they're doing it for Barrel Power or what, but they look real good this season. They look like a team who could blow you away with points, but as proven here, a couple of errors did let the lead side back into the game, but they looked really up for a scrap down middle and they were physical to match it as well. But good numbers from the Leeds boys, Tetravano, Pryor and all Broadbent, especially young Jack Broadbent, all going over 100 metres. And um, I'm really impressed with Pete Metaltier in this game. I thought this was one of the best games he's had um, for a long time. Speaking of decent sides, I'm a big fan of LFC and they turned south of Red Devils over 35 points to four. It was really a dominant performance. Again, Jamie, as you mentioned earlier, it's the gap between the top teams and the bottom teams. It was really evident here for me. And I feel like even if Polaro were down the table, he's still a golfing class. Um, Salford just struggled. You know, it's understandable to be fair. You look at the two teams have played, but they just they look all over the place in the attack. They just don't they just don't know where they are. Whereas the whole side, when they had Reynolds on, they looked like they were. He, he's come over with a real point to prove as Josh Reynolds on here. And it was really good by what were your thoughts on this game, Jed? Yeah, well, just like you said, Reynolds and Connell linking really well. Two grubs were just absolutely doing what, doing what they do best. Uh, they said, I think they're going to cause a lot of issues for a lot of teams this week. Um, I, I'm very much impressed with uh, with OFC. I thought I, I didn't think they'd do much this season, but in the first two rounds, they've shown me that they're actually here to play a part and not just make up numbers this year. And I, I feel like they could do something really well. Uh, Salford, very disappointing, though. Um, I know they won't be expected to win either of the two games, but the manner in which they've lost them will be really concerning. Um, and they definitely need to get a bit of oomph into them immediately. And then on to the last game of the round, Uddersfield Giants 10, Catalan Dragons 20. Another strong performance from Catalan, and, and it's been a good start to their season. Obviously, we all know that Catalan historically don't travel well, but obviously they're having to travel at the moment. So to pick up two wins from the first two games, they'll be delighted with that. Um, Udderfield losing out though to another team that they really need to be competing against uh, the fullback jersey for England is really hotting up Tompkins had another good game sort of been steadily building I feel like when he came back from the NRL and went to Wigan he caught him, not stalled a bit but wasn't really up to his standards before he left I think he's really captured some of his best rugby over at Catalan and the style of rugby they play really really suit him 
Um, the Huddersfield pack, though, which it, it, we were all big fans of the pack at Huddersfield, it's been dominated for a second week running. Something that they'll uh, they'll definitely need to work on uh, during the season if they are going to be competing, or it, it could be kind of a long season and they need to get a win sharpest. I'm not sure who they've got next week. I'm sure you might tell us, Jamie. Uh, but then if definitely they can't go for three defeats straight off the off, off the bounce because that's not something that they'd ever be expecting. And um, McQueen and Yates making 51 tackles each, getting through a lot of graft, and Davis with 196 meters and Cassiano with 172. Meters is sort of like how they were dominated there, especially down the middle. Um, and I'll throw it back over to you to round us off, Jamie. Superb stuff. But similar to the NRL, I won't go through the league table yet. It's not really shaped up nicely. But next week is the Challenge Cup. Um, Wakefield play Catalan. I think Huddersfield play Hulky R too. So there's a lot of good games coming on TV and, and we'll, we'll cover the, all the best ones as well next week. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening to episode 61 of Three Blokes and a Bleed podcast. Head on over to our social media pages where you'll find a variety of content which will hopefully pique your interest. Also, give us, a, give us a rating on our podcasting platforms if possible, please. We are available on all podcasting platforms. Keep an eye out for future podcasts and interviews or have a listen to our archive of Tom Johnston, Barry McDermott, Adrian Morley, Jodie Cunningham and much, much more. We will be back this Thursday with our brand new podcasting format, Topic of the Week. And this week we'll be featuring the 18th Man Substitution in the NRL. Thank you very much for listening and we'll catch you down the road.